Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Movies. My name is Daniel Berrios, I'm going to be your host tonight, and tonight we're going to be talking about the brand new horror movie, Anthony de Blasi's Malum. I can see the fear in your eyes. You saw something you can't explain. Just wait, rookie. Call's been rerouted to the new station. So it should be quiet. Right. There's an emergency, the station's number's on the desk. Shall be fine. Hello? They told us that Captain Lauren's daughter would be joining the department. Yes, sir. Just want to work where my father worked, even if it's for one night. He was a hero. Until he wasn't, you know. Lanford Police Department. You don't know what happened. But your father was no saint. Your daddy started something very important. Tonight we're going to finish it. The Temple Baron will bring forth the Low God. And I will be Redeemer. Infinite Mountain. I can't do this anymore. Just get me out. We pray in the temple of the low god. Malum is about a cop played by Jessica Sula. Her name is also Jessica in movie, Jessica Lauren, who her first assignment is going to be just to babysit this decommissioned police station. I think it's the last night or the last shift that that police station's going to have before they move over to the other one. And Jessica volunteered for this, not because it sounds like the easiest shift in the world, but because her father, Will, who's played by Eric Olson, was a hero cop. His last case was him rescuing some teenagers from a murderous cult. Like, he really saved them from a horrific fate. But shortly afterwards, Will snapped and murdered his fellow officers, gunned them down before taking his own life. So there's this real tension between the remaining members or the people who remember the incident who were there and Jessica... Because as far as they know, she's just dredging up old memories. I think at one point her commanding officer is, uh, or one of the fellow cops who gives her the job, is kind of just like, are you as fucked in the head as your dad is? Like, he's, there is no love lost for Will Lauren in, in that uh, precinct. So while she's there overnight, she's the only one she starts hearing some whispers and she starts getting some weird phone calls and it's the sort of uh, the past is coming back to haunt her, so to speak. You know, these whispers of this cult that's going around. I think in the movie, the cult uh, cult members are still kicking 
some of the people that are obsessed with the cult are still around and they're starting to dredge up trouble again. And that kind of background is playing as she's just stuck in the police station, sort of reliving, uh, not really reliving, but she's experiencing some horrific shit, all connected to the past and all connected to her father in ways that she doesn't even know is more linked to him than she thought. So this movie, I haven't seen the original Last Shift. I have really didn't even hear of it before recording. But from what I get the vibe of in the trailer for Last Shift, it seemed like there was just a more, I guess, concise idea that it was more about just her being stuck in this police station and the occasional loiterer or the homeless guy that would show up and these people that would call her and give her these weird messages over the phone. Like, it was really contained to that story. Whereas in this one, they're expanding the lore a little bit more. We learn a lot about the cult and their leader, John Malum, who is uh, supposedly a really sick son of a bitch, kind of like a... Uh, not really a Jim Jones type. I guess every cult leader, in my mind, I'm going to compare to Jim Jones. But it's a this person who is in charge of a cult that is worshipping... Uh, I think they're called the Flock of the Low God. It's really creepy shit. Uh, uh, they tend to use a lot of uh, uh, pig stuff in this movie. Again, because they're dealing with cops, the cult taunts them by uh, talking about pigs and putting pigs on the phone and squealing. And so there's this feeling of just... Uh... By the way, if you didn't know that pigs eat people... Pigs uh, are apparently ruthless. Like, if they're they're hungry enough, they will not hesitate to eat a motherfucker. Which feels cosmically weirdly appropriate. It feels like... It, it feels like some sort of vengeance for us eating bacon. I don't know, but that, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Anyway, I'm getting off track. They're taunting her with these pigs, squeals, and the phone calls, and... Uh, there are people that show up in the movie just to kind of fuck with her. And she's seeing visions. And at some point, it kind of goes your typical uh, person alone in a scary place seeing some fucked up shit. And then the movie kind of keeps going down a rabbit hole where it gets a little bit more surreal. It tosses in some uh, sequences that you're not totally sure are happening in her actual world. Uh, it's doing some really cool shit, uh, following her with the camera down these really skinny corridors with only like maybe a flashlight and maybe one light at the very end of the hallway that's illuminating the whole thing. And I don't know, I just found like all the tricks that de Blasi and crew were using to get through this horror film worked out really surprisingly well. And I found myself never uh, being bored at all. And constantly following this character, whom I do like. You know, Jessica Sula plays Jessica Lauren as someone who is desperately trying to convey the opposite approach of her father. You know, if her father was known for being a murderer who snapped, she is poised. And she gets chewed out by people. And she's thrust at some really fucking uncomfortable scenarios. But the way Sula plays it so still and rarely breaks eye contact with the people that are barking in her face. You know, that kind of shit kind of, it warned me a lot to her. It's very much the demeanor of somebody who has to take shit 
otherwise uh, they suffer, I guess, consequences from their superiors or in their job, etc. I don't know, that right there worked. And then as the horror movie progresses, she's still, as crazier as it gets, she's still trying to remain poised. And then there are certain points where it gets too much, and then she starts like doing the sort of scream cream thing where she shrieks, and that stuff works well too. But I don't know, I never felt like she was doing the dumb thing, and I never really felt like... I never disliked this character, and so creating somebody who's that well composed in the face of utter chaos and danger is just good. It's just good to experience. And man, uh, the chaos in this. You want to talk about some good special effects. There really were some good fucking kills in this thing. Uh, I like that they'll mix some of the effects with sort of this grainy VHS-style footage that's like a found footage from the cop station that we'll see in there. And then sometimes you'll see something through a laptop or you'll see something on like an old TV, like surveillance cameras. And that'll bolster the special effects because it gives it a more grainy look, especially when you're getting some really, like, visceral guts and gore like this movie it is rated r but don't confuse it with something like scream six this really will show you uh, some fucked up faces and limbs and i think there's one part when they're doing the flashback with uh will who's uh gone insane there's an effect that happens during one of his kills where you can see like the residue on the vic- on a bystander's face, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like it's uh, you can reach out and touch it. It's not just full blown makeup. Like that was a fucking kaboom and chunks. Like oh man, so gnarly. And there's a couple points in the movie where you just sit there like, oh my god, how much blood exists in one human being? That is absolutely nuts. It also helps that some of the surreal stuff, too, is shot in a way that is really fucking grainy and gnarly. Like, some of the kills will be something that's a little bit more supernatural, where you're not totally sure if this is all in Jessica's head or if uh, this stuff is really happening. But the effect that comes from that is real, and it is so gross. (laughs) And it's like, man, it's the kind of movie that uh, I think... When I was reading through uh, an interview for this, they referenced some stuff like uh, Scott Derrickson's Sinister or the uh, Evil Dead remake from 2013. And it definitely gives me that kind of vibe. Like you've stumbled upon something that really should not be fucked with in any way, shape, or form. And because of that, and because of the sort of like slightly more grounded ways uh, those movies tried to approach their, uh, I guess, their characters. Like, in the Evil Dead remake, they don't have, like, a head, a deer head on the wall, like, cackling at her, like, in Evil Dead 2. So, that's, I I guess, the characters come from a more grounded universe, and then slowly, it kind of ramps up and gives you the chaos. But much like uh, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead, they're is a little bit of like cheeky grinned dark humor especially from the cultist the cultist wastes absolutely no time in just straight up fucking with this lady 
and if you're have some sick sense of humor like I do, some of the things they say are actually really, really funny. And I found myself having a good old fashioned giggle at them. Um, I don't want to really spoil too much. I'm trying to think of what to say. Uh, yeah, it's really just a straightforward horror movie in my mind, and it's just well made. It's everything about this thing just works. Uh, they got the composer of Outlast 2, if you're into that kind of video game. Uh, I believe his name is Samuel Laflamme. Let me double check that. Imdaba time, everybody. Y'all ready for the Imdaba? I'm ready for the Imdaba. Oh, man. But the sound effects are a little bit more like atmospheric, and it just, uh, whenever it does get kind of wild, it gets uh, more into like this. Uh, how do I explain this? This real dread starts wearing in in the score. And it, anytime you hear that, you always are ready, like, ah, shit, here we fucking go. It's about to be, it's about to be some fucked up shit going down. Uh, let's see the music. Oh, Imdaba doesn't have it. I guess it's because this was uh, something that was recently announced. Like, I got an email from uh, the press folks saying that, like, hey, look, you gotta keep this a secret until they announce it. But straight up, like, there's the guy from Outlast 2 is the composer of this movie. And so it was kind of interesting seeing how uh, this would, what's it called? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Samuel Laflamme, who's worked on uh, Outlast 2. But it was it was interesting, the idea that through this, I guess the video game composer is in this. And then just recently, like just recently as of I think today, it was announced that they're making a VR game based on this movie, which is kind of kind of badass. Let me read this real quick. They just announced this like today as I'm typing this. Uh, yeah, it's called Flock of the Low God based on the cult name. And it's a survival horror game. It's VR based on Malum. And let's see here. It should be in early access in April. But uh, yeah, they made a survival horror game. And so it's making me think at uh, Welcome Villain. It says it, this is a Welcome Villain Films like introduction to video games. And I don't know. It's kind of cool to have a movie come out in theaters and then just tie in that survival horror video game right next to it because in a way it does kind of feel like you are in her point of view jessica most of the time just navigating through this journey so like a vr survival horror game where you get to fight off a cult and use uh whatever weapons are available to you in this sort of abandoned police station i think is dope and i don't know it's got that kind of even though it's a dark subject matter and it does get serious at points it does have this sort of like cheeky, almost playful energy to it. Some of the special effects do look like inspired by somebody who just wanted to make a weird horror movie in their backyard. Like one of the one of my favorite things in the movie is like this throne that the cult built just out of like farm equipment. Like I think one of them is has like a pitchfork and something. It looks like a bunch of weirdos went into their backyard, fished a bunch of shit, and just made like their own Game of Thrones throne. And that was something that I thought was just like an odd special effect but it gave the cult some character 
it it definitely I guess introduced to me how sort of ramshackle and hidden and sort of like under the radar these people have to go under in order to try and you know service their god so to speak and uh, yeah i look it's a it's a cult versus a cop in a single location thriller it's one of those things that you have seen before but i do think de Blasi and crew added just their skill to it and just sharpened their tool Again, I haven't seen Last Shift, but you look at the trailer for that, and you look at the trailer for this, and you definitely see the improvement. You just see the power of the new budget and the power of the new uh, collaborators that they've got on board. And yeah, it's not often that you have a director being able to remake their own movie and really do so to a grand success. So if you want to make Sam Raimi comparisons, I say feel fucking free, you know? But that's going to be it for me and Malum. Uh, you can go ahead and watch this. It's coming out this Thursday, or the preview screenings. As far as I can tell, if you live in Dallas or Texas, they're premiering this at AMC theaters only. So not no Cinemark. I think there's. I don't even think Alamo Drafthouse has it. So yeah, just AMC for now. If you have an AMC showing this around you, I say go see it because there's a huge fucking difference between watching a movie on a laptop and watching a movie on a theater with the sound, with the enclosed environment. You definitely want that kind of feeling for this movie. And also, it's an independent horror movie, and shit, the more independent horror movies we support, the better humanity is going to be. I am sure of it. So thank you very much for listening once again. If you want to follow me on Twitter, please do so at themovies underscore pod. If you want to review the podcast, please review the podcast on Apple podcasts leave a review on there and i will read it on the next episode you can also rate the show on spotify but if you want to let me know what you think of the movies please review it on apple podcasts but i'm gonna close y'all out with a song from a band that uh you ever listen to a band and you like one song and then you listen to the rest of the album and you're kind of like eh but you can't stop listening to that one song. And so like slowly but surely you become like indoctrinated into a band and then you finally start to really deeply love them. This is what this band came out for me. This is a band called Fucked Up. And uh, I listened to Queen of Hearts forever. But this is a song off of their album. I think it's called Chemistry of Common Life, if I'm not mistaken. And it's called Son the Father. And I think I'm just gonna do like a quick Google. Tap, 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 tap. Yeah, Chemistry of Common Life. But yeah, uh, this is a really interesting punk band. It's like, uh, how do I how do I explain this? These are This is a punk band with graduate degrees. That That's what I would describe it as. But it's great, man. Uh, listen, thank you once again. One last time, I will thank you for listening to another episode of The Movies. I'm going to be continuing on with some make-believe Seattle stuff here in a bit. But go ahead and listen to Fucked Up. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And take care of the movies. Ah!